All right. Good morning, City Light. How we doing? How we doing? Uh, nice to see you guys. Nice to be back. Um, uh, hey, I don't have COVID, so this is good, okay? Good news. Uh, for those of you who know, I was sick a week and a half ago. I was supposed to preach last Sunday. I got sick. Um, got tested on Monday, which is uncomfortable. Anybody been tested here in the room? Man, I know Rachel been tested like five times, so that's terrible. I feel bad for you. Uh, my eyes were watering. I'm like, I'm not crying. I promise I'm not crying. Just uncomfortable, yeah. Uh, so anyways, I was like, if they just showed everybody this video of getting tested, everybody wear a face mask, no problem. You know, the most selfish people would wear a face mask because ain't nobody want to do that, all right? So I was like, I'm not. Lord, please don't make me get sick again. I ain't trying to do this again. So uh, that was super uncomfortable. But by God's grace, I found out on Friday that I'm good. Praise the Lord. Uh, the test was negative, which means I was able to be here today and not quarantine for another 14 days. So uh, I'm super thankful, super excited, feeling extra grateful uh, to the Lord uh, that I'm able to be here today and also that I don't have COVID, obviously, which is a win. So um, anyways, just grateful to be here. We are uh, going to start Second Timothy. And uh, have this little notebook in your seat. So it's actually 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus all together. So you can't go to the very front because that's not going to do it for you. But uh, if you go somewhere in the middle, there's no page numbers or anything, you'll find 2nd Timothy. Uh, these are a gift to you. We're starting uh, to work through the book now. As we've always said, walking through books of the Bible is like our bread and butter. That's what we want to do uh, because of the craziness of the world around us. We've spent some time addressing what does it look like to live uh, in light of that, and I think that's what we needed to do. And now we are back working through a book of the Bible. We'll be here for 10 weeks, and I really want you to learn to read the Bible on your own, to follow the Lord on your own. If you're here and you're like, I don't even know what the Bible is. I don't pay attention to Christianity. I showed up for whatever reason. Uh, we're glad that you're here. I want you to See, these are God's words, not my words, and not my ideas. Uh, we're talking about what God has said, and that's going to change your life. And so I'm glad you're here to listen to it today. Uh, we say a lot, man shall not live by sermons alone. And so the most important thing that I think I can do on a Sunday morning is equip you to read the Bible for yourself. So if you're able to learn how to do that well, and Monday through Saturday pursue the Lord on your own, you will grow a ton. If you live by my sermons or anybody else's, the best preacher in the world, whoever that, they live by those, you're just not going to, it's not going to take you very far. So uh, my sermons are like a cherry on top, okay? Hopefully the Lord gives you ice cream through your time with him, right? And you can eat that all day long, every day. And then I come and I just like, here's a little extra little thing for you to help you. Uh, if you live that way, you're going to grow. It's going to be awesome. But if you try to live off this is a cherry on top, it's not going to be that great, you know? So uh, learn to read the Bible for yourself. This is a gift to you. Write in it, mark it up, whatever. Uh, and as we preach through the word, I'm going to preach through it, um, well, like basically verse by verse at some level to help you understand it. So uh, please pay attention to that. Uh, super excited to be here. If there are um, some of you, I know you have kids in the room. I just want to go ahead and say, first and foremost, we're so excited and thankful that your kids are here, and we do not care what they do, okay? So if they're loud, whatever, just don't even worry about it. I want you to feel one moment of stress about that. I have four kids of my own. If you hear noises, they're probably coming from my family, okay? So uh, I just want you to chill out. Kids will be kids. We're all grown-ups in here. We can handle it, all right? So just de-stress parents, all right? And be like, it's good. We're good. Everybody's good. We're going to make it. You're going to enjoy. Focus. If your kid freaks out, that's no big deal. Literally zero, okay? So uh, everything's cool. I hope you can enjoy the service. Uh, and pay attention and, and trust the Lord's going to work in and through that and what your kids may hear as well. So, uh, so 2 Timothy, let's go ahead and, and jump right in. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Um, 
and this will make sense in a minute. Am I going to start a fire or not? I don't know. It's up for you to pay attention, all right? Let's see what, see what happens. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you night and day, I remember your tears, and I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and now your mother Eunice, and I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. For God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but power, love, and self-control. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would reveal your word. God, we are submitted under your word today. We are here to hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray that everything said would be faithful to what you intend. And as you promised, you would take your word and that it would bear much fruit. I pray that our hearts would be changed and transformed, that souls would be saved that you would encourage the downcast, that you would bring conviction to those who are far from you, Lord, that you would do what you need to do. And so we say yes and amen to what your word says to us this morning, and we submit under it. We look forward to hearing from you, King Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. All right. Um, Hey, last time I, I missed last week, but I was preaching the, a, a, a couple weeks ago. I had gotten really used to preaching to a camera, okay, because all the weird stuff going on. So at first it's weird, and then you kind of get used to it. Uh, and you're like, okay, this is how I preach to a camera. That's what that's like. And then people start coming back in, and, you know, everybody's got face masks and stuff. So here's what The first time I was preaching to the face mask people, it threw me off, right? I'll be honest with you. I was like, it's like I'm in a sci-fi movie right now. I'm just, I don't understand what's happening. This is not, you know. So I cannot see your faces. So I need to hear your voices, all right? This is your way to help Pastor Nate today. Uh, I cannot see your faces. Thank you. There we go. There we go. I have no idea what you're looking like. If you're mad at me, if you're excited, if the Lord's... I have no idea, okay? So the best thing you can do is use your voice. Uh, a phrase we've always used since the beginning is don't spectate, participate. Uh, this is a communal activity. This is not a watch one man talk about things for 30 minutes activity. Uh, and so please join in with me that, especially those of you who are more bold and courageous. Uh, Uh, I can't see your face. I need to hear your voice, all right? So let's do that together. Please join with me uh, as we look at the passage. So I think verse 6 in this passage is the thing that gives us the most clarity. I think this is why he's writing the book, and I think the rest of the book serves this purpose, that Paul is trying to encourage Timothy to fan into flame the gift that God has put in him. And then he spends the rest of the book explaining how exactly Timothy is supposed to do that. And so what we're going to begin to do to understand the whole book of 2 Timothy, to understand what Paul's intent is, is we're going to focus a lot on verse 6, but we're going to build our way up to there. So verses 1 through 5 are very important to us understanding verse 6. Verse 6 is very important to us understanding the rest of the book so that we can kind of hear exactly what God has to say through these scriptures. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, I was in Luray. Anybody been to Luray, Virginia, Luray? It's uh, a few people. Yeah, okay. Uh, there's some cabins there. We took some of our interns on a retreat. Uh, it was great. Got away with my family and the interns and some of our staff, and it was just a good time uh, to be out together, to hear from the Lord, to enjoy some good company, to reset, you know? Um, and so we were there, and at nighttime, you know, what do you do when you're at a cabin? Everybody's there. You build a fire. You sing songs. Everybody cries. It's a big moment. You know, everybody's like, hey, everybody been there. Um, so we, we work on 
getting this fire together, and uh, nobody actually cried, so it wasn't that significant, but um, we're working on this fire, and we had actually assigned the fire task to two of our military people, and I'm going to say it was all right, okay? It took them a little longer than I expected, and I thought their training would just, they would just, you know, and it would, it would be good, but they got the fire going, they got the fire going, uh, so props to them for getting the fire going, and so the fire gets going, everybody's sitting around it. Now, what do you have to do to keep a fire going? Anybody? You had to fan it, right? Eventually it starts to simmer down, and so we had this little plank, and sometimes people would look, grab it, and like anybody who grabs it needs to fan the flame, because if they don't fan the flame, the fire will die. If the fire dies, we can't see each other, we're cold, whatever. The whole moment just boom, dies, you know? So you got to keep the fire going to keep everything going in the moment. Uh, and so we're just, everybody's kind of picking it up. You know, my wife's looking at me like, you're the leader, you should grab it, you know? You should be. I'm like, okay, 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 servant leader, you know? So, all right, so do that. I wasn't very good at it, but you got to pick this up. You got to fan that thing in the flame. You got to do that over and over again to keep it going. And so I want you to have that spiritual picture in your mind when Paul's telling Timothy, hey, I want you to fan in the flame the gift that God has put in you in the sense that for some of you and for all of us to one degree or another, there's spiritual realities that are simmering like coals in our life. This is whether it's our love for Jesus, our desire to follow and trust Him, our desire for God's Word, our participation in God's mission, whatever it might be, they're just like coals, and they're simmering, and they're there, but they're not quite fanned in the flame, and they're not having the effect that they're supposed to have in the world around them. They're not bringing the heat and the light that God has designed for them to bring. And so Paul is looking at Timothy, and Timothy's like, legit, he's a good dude. So Paul's not mad at him. Paul's trying to encourage him to say, man, God really wants to continue to use your life. And so I encourage you, Timothy, take a look at what's simmering and begin to fan that stuff into flame so God can really use your life. And so I want you to have that picture in mind as we walk through this today. We want to be a people who burn for Jesus who do not settle for like just this little thing, who don't settle for just whatever, who burn passionately for Jesus. Man, if you're here and this is all new to you, I want to encourage you, man, Jesus is worth burning for and worth giving your life to. And this whole message is going to hopefully clarify that for you. If you're new or if this Christianity thing is totally weird to you, I hope you see that this is worth giving your life to and that God wants to do something significant with your life. I also want to make sure you realize from the beginning that this call to fan the flame is not a burden and it's not an additional task from God. I want to say that from the beginning to say, man, you're already trying to navigate a pandemic. You're already trying to navigate parenting and the whole new school system. You're already trying to navigate your job. You're already trying to do all that. And you're like, man, I got so many things I'm trying to figure out. So what I'm coming up here to do isn't to add one more to-do list to your life and burden you. And that's not what God wants to do. But he's here to empower you, to re-energize you, to help you focus on the things that are most important and to bring you life. That's what God's intent is from this passage for Timothy, is not to add an additional burden on Timothy's life, but to tell him the way by which Timothy will make the most use of his life. And so I want to encourage you with that today as we walk through this. So I have four words for us, four words. And my wife and I were listening to a podcast the other day about uh, helping children with trauma and different things like this. This probably applies to all children everywhere, but she said on the podcast, they can only take seven words at a time. So imagine, like, those of your parents, your kid does something wrong, what do you do? You, like, lecture them for forever, right? It's just like, this is, this is why this is wrong, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do this right? If you don't have kids now, but you, were, you had a parent, right, is that have, you do something wrong, it's like paragraph, paragraph, it's like we're writing a paper on all the things you should have done better, and this is not her. And the lady's like, listen, okay, 
You can only take seven words at a time, okay? Seven words, seven words, right? Um, so we're like, okay, we have these phrases in our house. There are two words each uh, that we use, okay? Our kids could testify uh, to help everybody navigate receiving this. So today, instead of seven words, I have four, okay? I have four words for us to digest, to take in, and to remember. Uh, these four words are this. Number one is sovereignty. Number two is community. Number three is responsibility. And number four is possibility, Sovereignty, community, responsibility, and possibility. So let's start with sovereignty, number one. We're going to look at verse one. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, by the will of God. And as I was sitting, like, reading through this, being trying to memorize it, let it soak in, just that phrase, man, Paul, an apostle, by the will of God. And I kept thinking how Paul's trying to set this up to say, man, Paul saying, Timothy, my role in this world is an assignment from God, and in the same way, your role that I'm talking to you about, that's an assignment from God. This is by the will of God. And what I want to encourage you with is this, that when God assigns, God equips. God does not give assignment without equipment. And so now when I think of fanning the flame of the gift that God has put in me, the spiritual gift, the things that I'm called to do, the passions and desires of my heart to make a difference for Him or to do something in the world that matters, when I'm thinking about my role in life, whatever that may be, in a family, in a workspace, in a friend circle, or whatever, then you got to think about it this way to say, man, this is the case. I am what I am by the will of God. I am in this scenario by the will of God. I'm a mother by the will of God. And I'm mothering kids during a pandemic in school systems by the will of God, right? I'm a father, I'm a boss by the will of God. I'm an employee on furlough by the will of God. I'm always by the will of God. So that when I begin to navigate my season that I'm in, I don't depend on myself because if God gave the assignment, God provides the equipment. Now think about Paul's calling in his life. Paul did not wake up one day and say, man, I really want to follow Jesus. I'm tired of killing all these Christians. No. Remember, Paul hated Jesus, and he hated Christians, and he was devoutly trying to exterminate them. And then one day, Jesus reveals himself in Acts 9 on the Damascus Road. Boom! And he starts calling and talking to Paul, and he radically saves Paul. He changes Paul's life, and then he gives Paul an assignment. And he says, Paul, you're going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. You're going to share the good news that Jesus died and rose again to people who are not used to this kind of word from God, that haven't grown up in Israel and are not Jews, to everyone else. You're going to do that with the Gentiles. This is Paul's assignment. And then God continues to give Paul the revelation he needs, the community he needs, the people he needs to fulfill his assignment. So Paul is saying, man, I didn't wake up and decide to be this, but God called me to it. And what we learn from the scriptures is if God gives an assignment, he'll give you the equipment. So the burden is on God. You have to feel that. When before we say, you need to go fan the flame and you need to do these certain things in your life to do what God has called you to do, you need to put it in the context of God's sovereignty to say, first of all, I am what I am by the will of God. And if God assigned it, God will equip. And so now I can be encouraged to say, man, I'm I'm teaching in this environment by the will of God. If God assigned it, he'll give me the equipment. Right? I'm parenting in this situation by the will of God. If God assigns it, this is my role, then I have the equipment. And that's true in every scenario of life, that God's sovereignty is big over all things. And so my role and your role, different, but but the same in many ways, called by God. God has given you an assignment by the will of God. And so if God assigns, he equips. The burden is on God to do what he's called you to do, not on you. 
So it gives you that sense of relief at first to say, man, okay, God's in charge. God's in control. Actually, I am what I am by the will of God. And since God gave me the assignment, God will give me the equipment. You write this down. God will empower you to do whatever he calls you to. Always. God will empower you to do whatever he calls you to. And so many of us are frustrated because we're simply trying to do what God has called us to do without God's help and power. So I want you to see this, this second part here. And one thing I want you, you have to notice this, right, in verse 6, where he says, I want you to fan into flame the burden of God. He doesn't say that. I want you to fan into flame the task that God has given you. No, no, no. I want you to fan into flame the obligation you have. I want you to fan No, what is the word does he use? I want you to fan into flame the gift. So God, by God's assignment in your life, has given you a gift in you, a spiritual gift that you can use in your current assignment. Pandemic or no pandemic, whatever season that you're in, God has placed a gift in you. He's given you a season and an assignment to use it, and he's not called it a burden, an obligation, a task, or a to-do list. He's given you a gift. So what do you do when somebody gives you a gift? Man, you receive it with joy. And it's the best gift that God could give. He gives you himself, and then he gives you a calling on your life. So it's a gift, not a burden. The second phrase here, you got to see, according to the promise of life. According to the promise of life. So God, within God's will, you have a role. And that role primarily is to receive and extend the life of Christ. That's your main role as a Christ follower, is to receive the life of Christ through repentance and faith, and then every day through trusting him, going to his word, receiving the life of Christ. And in that life, I extend to others. So now my perspective on my daily life is that, man, I don't have a bunch of tasks to accomplish so much for God that I can do things for him. Uh, I have life to receive from him, and that life is what I'm going to extend to others. The promise of life. This is what God has called us to be a part of, the promise of life. Now, what does this mean? Namely, that life is found in Christ. Now, I want to say first to those of you who are here and you're trying to find life everywhere else, this is the reason for your frustration, is that life is ultimately found in Jesus. He's the source. So if you're trying to pull life out of a job, pull life out of a family, pull life out of a purpose, pull life out of health, pull life out of circumstances, you're going to be frustrated because you're not going to find it. But then you go to Jesus and you try to get life from there. He's the source and he gives you life. And so, so many of us are frustrated because we're going to every other source, but the promise of life has come from one place, it's Jesus. And if you try to find life anywhere else, you're not going to find Jesus. you got to go to the source. And so some of you are like, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but you haven't been going to the source for your life. And then you try to live out a calling without the life, and you're burdened, and you're frustrated, and it's not working because you're not receiving the life that God has extended for you. And the same for those of you who are trying to find life some other way. Today is the day that you choose to trust in and follow Jesus. Through his life, death, and resurrection, he extends eternal life to you if you would believe and trust in him. The promise of life. This is what you and I are living from and living for, the promise of life. This is Paul's calling is to receive and extend life. So when you think about, man, what is my, by the will of God, I am a teacher in this new reality. No matter what I'm doing, my primary call is to receive the life of Christ and extend that to others any way I can. Right? I'm a parent in this I'm a college student in this setting. Whatever it is, my calling is to receive the life of Christ and extend that to others. And as I do that, I can fit everything else inside of that. But when I try to focus on the little things, I'm going to get frustrated. 
So that's the second. That's the second. The, the last thing here, grace, mercy, and peace. Look in verse 3. It's like verse 2. We can't miss these introductions, right? So Paul set it up to say, man, if you live in light of God's sovereignty, not only are you comforted that this is the will of God and I can trust him and live under his bigness because I'm so small, but also not only do I receive life, but then grace, mercy, and peace. So before Paul ever tells Timothy to do anything, before Paul ever gives him a charge, before Paul ever gives him an encouragement, a little kick in the pants, whatever it is, before he does any of that, he says, Timothy, my, my beloved son, man, the Lord wants to and will give you grace, mercy, and peace. That comes from God, who is our Father, and from Jesus, who is our Lord. If you are in Christ and have trusted and followed Jesus, all you get every day is grace, mercy, and peace. Even if it comes in the form of discipline. Grace, mercy, and peace. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, you tell yourself, because of Jesus, I am right now receiving and will walk in today grace, mercy, and peace. Regardless of my circumstances, because of Jesus, I will receive and walk in today grace, mercy, and peace. No matter how difficult my circumstances may be, I will walk in and receive from Jesus grace, mercy, and peace. This is the promise that he's given me. And as I walk in the grace and mercy and peace of God, then in that context, I can begin to serve God and fan into flame the gift of God that is in me. So write this down. When I am most free, when I live under God's sovereignty. This is so important. I am most free when I live under God's sovereignty. Most free. I have the most freedom when I live under God's sovereignty, when I trust him, when I give the burdens to him, when he's the ruler and director of my life and the world, when I can just follow him and his will, I am most free when life doesn't depend on me, when I'm most free when I live under God's sovereignty. You know, it's like a fish in water. If you live in the proper restrictions, you're free. If a fish tries to get out of water and live on its own, it's not going to work. So within the proper restrictions of God's sovereignty, I submit my life. And within those restrictions, I find my freedom. And so this is how the Lord has intended it for us. So here's where I want to start with this little, this little fire pit thing, okay? This right here is a starter lock, all right? Lights, wood, fires fast, it says, okay? So fast is what we're going for today. Um, this is the gift of God. I want you to think about it this way. God has put a gift, right, in you, in your life. A spiritual gift, passions for something. God's giving you a gift. And he's placed it in your life, Okay? Now, I want you to think about something else, too, in light of God's sovereignty, is all the details of your life, no matter how small they may look and feel, all the details of your day, how you feel, how people are treating you, what your circumstances are like, these are things that God is surrounding your gift with. They're not meaningless. Nothing. God is sovereign, so nothing's meaningless in your life. These things, good things, bad things, these things that seem insignificant, you know, changing a diaper or whatever, all these things. These are things that God has put in my assignment and details of my life that God is surrounding my gift with. So it could be where I live, where I work, how that conversation at work went yesterday, how I feel about myself today, how I woke up, what my kids are like and behaving, what my job is going to do, whatever. All these things in my life are not insignificant, and they're actually working in your favor to supply the necessary environment by which God will fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. So now you begin to think, man, okay, God is sovereign. He's given me this gift. He placed it in me. I didn't ask for it. He gave it to me because of his mercy, grace, and grace. And everything that's happening in my life right now and all the time are details that God is supplying so that he can begin to work in and through my life more and more and do so in a particular context. 
right? So my calling is to light that, to, to fan the flame in a particular context. Your calling is to fan the flame. So those little pieces that you may think are insignificant about your life are significant, and God is using them to supply the right environment for you because of his sovereignty, okay? So that's number one as we build the fire pit here. The second thing is community. The second word is community. And what I want to emphasize over and over again is that Paul is building up an encouraging argument before he ever tells Timothy to do anything. This is what we would do. This is what I would do if I was writing, if I was writing Timothy. I would say, Timothy, verse 1, get to work, buddy. Fan the flame, the gift of God that is in you, all right? You got some jobs to do. I need you to do that, whatever, whatever. I ain't got enough time to write. I'm tired, you know. Paul's like, I'm getting whipped every day, okay? I'm just not going to. No. What does Paul do? He builds something beforehand. So he builds God's sovereignty over Timothy's life, and now he builds the community. Look at, look at how he talks in this. Verse 2, to Timothy, my beloved child. He says in verse uh, 3, I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. Verse 4, man, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And then verse 5, hey, Timothy, brother, I remember your sincere faith. And you know what I remember? I remember how that faith dwelled in your grandmother, Lois. You remember that, Timothy? And, as a matter of fact, that same faith dwelled in your mother, Eunice. And because of that, and because of what I've seen in you, I am sure, Paul says, that that same faith that you've seen passed down from generations dwells in you. So now Paul's building this thing to say, man, you not only have the calling of God and the sovereignty of God pushing you and surrounding you, but you have this community that God's provided to you. This community of people that love Jesus, like Paul, aren't related by blood, but related by faith. And you have this community of people that are actually in your family who've passed down this legacy. So here's a, a little quick fifth word instead of four, throw in a fifth word. The fifth word is legacy. And the question for many of us is what kind of legacy are you leaving to your children, to those around you? What kind of community are you building? What are you teaching those around you to prioritize and love? And this is what I want us to begin to think about more and more and more. So for City Light, what kind of community are we providing for one another? What does it look like for us to live this calling out together? So I want to continue this illustration with this, right? So he gives you all this. God's building the fire, okay? Not your job. God's job. And then he surrounds you with community. So he gives you a gift. He gives you details in your life. And then for some of you, maybe he's given you faithful parents who know and love Jesus, which is a gift. Not everybody has that. He's giving you that. Or a grandmother or somebody in your life whose family, biologically, who's taught you to know and love Jesus, right? Then... You have people in your life that are like mentors. Maybe somebody led you to Christ. Maybe you had somebody that really encouraged you or whatnot, and he's put those people in your life, and he's building this community. And then you go to church, and you have people in your lighthouse, right? You have people in your life around you here that he's provided for you. And on and on we go. God is building this fire with community, and he's, re he's preparing the way so when the thing gets lit, it has ample places to burn. And now my only job and your only job begins to fan it into flame to keep it going. So I want you to think about this for you and me in our life, is to say, man, coming to my lighthouse or involving myself in community or serving or whatever isn't just like the right thing for me to do, but it's supplying the wood that someone else might need. Right? I, I come to a lighthouse, which are our groups during the week, and not only is there a fire burnt because people are there, you know, but I bring my piece of wood and I put it on there, and the person sitting next to me might need that. And so now when we picture our unity, we say, man, this fire of City Light Church doesn't work or it doesn't burn very long unless we keep bringing our wood together. This is so important for us to say, man, God is building the fire. I'll give you a picture of this. So uh, on 4th of July, 
Uh, my oldest loves to play with fireworks, right? Sitting back there, big fireworks fan. Uh, he likes dangerous things, okay? So, yeah, he likes to destroy and, you know, do the things. So this is what he does. He's eight years old. And so we get these fireworks. He's so excited. We do different things. We got sparklers, and he's like, Dad, what if we lit the whole sparkler box at once? What would that do? And I'm like, I don't know, buddy. I've never done that before. But you know what? I want to be the fun dad, so let's try it. You know, let's see what happens. It's fun dad time, all right? So he, it's like eight of them, okay? Eight sparklers. He, he holds them all together like this. Uh, and I light it, and like for two seconds, it's like, oh, cool. And then it just, whoop, and just like bursts. And it's like sparkling. He freaks out. He throws it in the air. He drops it. There's like fire all over our front porch. You can actually see burn marks now, these little black marks on our front porch uh, from where he threw it on the ground. I'm like stomping it out. My other little kids are freaking out. They think everything's going to burn out. All right? It just, for three minutes, like utter chaos because that thing lit fast, and then it was like sparkling. It wasn't just fire. It was like, you know, one of those things. Uh, and we, we throw it down. We throw it down. Say, oh, thank God. I said that, that is over. Uh, but I want you to get this visual picture in your mind, right, is that you have a little sparkler. I have a little sparkler. You have a little sparkler. I have a little sparkler. Now, what happens when we bring them together is amazing. And it's way more potent and powerful than if we kept them separated. And so now when you think about your responsibility and community, now when you think about the purpose of God's church that we're together and united, this is why we talk about unity so much. We live or die by that. And God says, I want you to bring your little sparkler and your little sparkler and your sparkler, and you come to a lighthouse together, and there's eight sparklers in the room, and poof, the Lord does something. Right? You come to church, and now there's 50 sparklers in the room, poof. And the more we give ourselves to one another, not only are we building fires for each other so they have ample places to burn, but we're creating something that's noticeable that makes a difference in the world around us that has potency and power because we've decided to do it together. Community. This is why it's so important. Not just a nice word. It's not just something that's cool to pursue. It's necessary for us to do this together. Okay, Uh, the third word is responsibility. Now, Here comes the fun part, all right? I want to show you something. These are matches. Community. So Paul says in verse 6, I mean responsibility. In verse 6 he says, I want you to fan the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now what we learn from that and what we see throughout Paul's life and other situations like this is the gift doesn't come from Paul. It comes from the Spirit. Verse 7 he says, God has given you a Spirit. So the gift comes from the Spirit, not from Paul. But when Paul's laying on his hands, he's basically what we would call today ordination. He's ordaining. He's affirming Timothy's gifts publicly in front of everybody else. And he's, he's saying, he's lighting that fire for him. So this is what Paul gets Timothy. He lays his hands on him with other elders and brothers or sisters of Christ. And they get there, and boom, they light this fire, right? And then Paul, I'm not going to light this fire. I'm not going to light this fire. I'm not going to do that to y'all. But Paul takes this little flame, right? And he lights the fire, and the fire starts to burn by the gift of God, by the details of their life designed by God, and it continues to burn because of the community that God has supplied to them. And then now Paul looks at Timothy, and all those things we usually try to provide for ourselves, and that's why it gets so hard. And he looks at Timothy and he says, now your one job is this, man. I've already built the fire, bro. I just need, you just need to do this. Just do this. We've made our lives so complicated. We've made following God way too complicated. This is it. This is what it looks like to follow God. This is it. Now, there's a lot of reasons why this gets hard, right? And you know that. And that's why he says in verse 6, I want you to fan the flame of the gift of God. So this is something I, uh, all the interns can attest to this. This is what I teach the first day of every internship I've ever run. It's 1 Timothy 1, verse 6. When Timothy says to Paul, I remind you, Timothy, to fan the flame of the gift of God that is in you. 
Namely, you got to write this down. I want you to hear this. Your growth is your responsibility. All right, I got one person who listened to me at the beginning of this sermon, all right? I'm very thankful for you, okay? Hopefully you spur on the rest, all right? So uh, your gift is your responsibility. It's your job. I and anybody around you, so community, pastors, whatever, whatever. Our job, right, is to like help hold up your arms, to hype you up, like, yeah, man, you can do it. You know, encourage you, tell you how to do it better, whatever. We're, we're surrounding you and supporting you. This is what community is supposed to do. But only you, only you. You're the only person in the entire world that can fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. It's only you. It's only you. That's why I say all the time, you, you can't live by sermons alone. You, can't. you have to invest in your relationship with Jesus. And God will bless that and grow that, and you will flourish and be strong. But only you can do that. You can't pass it off to friends. You can't pass it off to church. You can't pass it. Only you can do that. Only you can do that. So that's where, right, you build God's sovereignty. You surround by community. You provide a ton of encouragement. Then he looks at him and says, it's your job. But this is your job, to not overcomplicate things. Timothy, you don't have to burn, you don't have to build the fire. Okay. You don't have to supply the gift, actually, that's given to you by God. Okay. Uh, you actually, uh, God has given you this community, a family or whatever, a church, whatever. So that's great. God's given you that as well. So Timothy, I'm not overcoming this. I'm asking you to do one thing, this. Fan the flame. This is your job, Timothy. Now, how do we do that? There's a few things uh, that are very simple for us. I'll give you two. The first is we rekindle the fire or fan the flame by evaluating desire. All I want you to do is think about in your life, what do I really want? And be honest with yourself. What do I really want? Just be, just be honest and say, Lord, I just want to know. Search my heart and know me. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me into it. What is it that I really want? And then you begin to think, man, there's a reason why I'm devoting time to certain things. And say, so just start at the root and say, Lord, I want you to change my desire. That I would have more desire for you, more desire for the kingdom of God, more desire for the presence of Jesus. What do I really want? The second thing is you rekindle the fire by going back to the basics. So this is so important. Here at City Light, we try to train you and keep it very simple on three things. Prayer, reading the Word of God, and sharing the gospel. What I have found in my limited experience, but my experience, is that the main reason people don't grow is because we overlook the basics. We just don't do the basics. And we're looking for something extra, something whatever, whatever. But if we were to, to find some consistency, so let's say you pick up prayer, right? You pick up prayer right here, and then you start doing this. And as I pray, I'm fanning into flame the gift that God has given me. God has given me inspiration, revelation, motivation. He's doing all the things I cannot produce in my life. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing this, and as I pray, not only do I get to meet with the Lord and spend time in His presence, yes and amen, He is worthy of that, but also at the same time, God is doing in me the things I can't will myself to do, right? I'm praying, and I'm doing this, and then God's creating a fire called desire, and I just burn for Jesus, and I couldn't have just sat there and forced it. Right? As I pray, the Lord not only allows me in His presence, and I get to spend time with the most beautiful, awesome, greatest being that has ever existed in the history of the world. He's, that's awesome. But as I do this, and as I pray, and as I pick it up, right, and as I do this consistently, even as I do it badly, and I learn how to do it better, right? No, God doesn't expect anybody to be a perfect prayer. As I begin to do this little by little and build consistent habits, I begin to fan into flame the gift of God that is in me. And then, right, as I begin to spend time in God's Word, 
I begin reading the Word. And as I read the Word, five, ten minutes, I'm learning and I'm doing this. And God's revealing His truth to me, and He's inspiring me, and He's convicting my heart. And I'm realizing things about me I'd never learned before. And I'm more in awe of God, and so I'm less tempted by sin. And I'm doing these things, and the things that I want in life are happening because God is producing them. Why? Because I did something great? No, because I put myself in position for God to do what He's promised to do. To say, you do this, and God's like, I'm going to make that fire go. All you got to do is this. This is it. Prayer, the Word, and then sharing the gospel. Right? I pick up this mantle, and I say, I just don't want to overcome this. If you want to grow in the Lord, consistently do these things. I'm telling you, just take it. Take it down a notch. You don't have to know all the theology in the world. You don't have to save the world. It's not your job to change the world. I don't care how many people tell you that. That's God's job. Okay, you let God be the change, change world person. You be just you, ordinary you, whatever it is you are. You be that. That's great. Do that. So let the Lord change the world, okay? So now you say, I'm going to share the gospel, and I'm just going to do what I can. Not that I'm going to feel this burden, but I'm going to be faithful. Say, Lord, I'm just going to pick this up. And as I share the gospel, I actually learn more about Jesus. I'm excited. I get to participate in God changing lives, and I get this passion for souls, and the Lord reveals to me the main purpose of my life is to reveal the gospel to others in and through whatever I'm doing. And now I begin to have this flame, and the, the prayer and reading the word and sharing the gospel with any level of consistency begins to build the fire. Right? It's not overly complicated. It's difficult to do sometimes. I'm not saying it's not, but it's not complicated. And so now you say, man, what is my next step? I walk, walk out of here, and I want to burn for Jesus, and I want to fan in a flame. I'm saying, man, here's a few easy things. Start getting in the Word more. Start learning how to pray. Start sharing the gospel wherever you can. Surround yourself with a lighthouse, which is our groups during the week that help you get involved and help you get plugged in, help you learn how to do these things, and help encourage you on the way. Get on a light team, which is our ways that we serve. We have basic training, which will reveal your gift to you. So if you're like, I don't even know what my spiritual gift is. I don't even know what that means, Nate. Great. We have a whole class for that. It's called basic training. It starts next week again after, after church. It's also available online. We want to help you, help you, help you take a next step in learning to fan the flame, the, God, the gift that God has given you. So here's the last word, possibility, as we close out. Possibility. Look at verse 7. He says, God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Now, one of the activities I'll do when I'm walking through this text devotionally with people that you need to do on your own is you need to ask the Lord, what is it about power, love, and self-control that overcomes fear? Because God could have chosen any words he wanted, joy, patience. He could have chosen lots of words, and we would have thought they would apply. God's very specific. Remember, his word is intentional. He chose these three words, power, love, and self-control. And there must be something particular about those three things that help us overcome fear. Because the main reason, the main reason any of us will not walk in the calling that God has for us is because of fear. That's the main hindrance to us living the life God has called us to, is fear. And we all have it in different ways. And we all feel and experience in different ways. Now, what I love about this is he doesn't say, hey, I want you to just never worry about being afraid. If you're feeling afraid, you're sinning, whatever. No, he's, he's not saying that. But he's saying, listen, you're going to be afraid. I expect you to be afraid sometimes. What I want you to do, Timothy, is to identify that. And then what I want you to say, Timothy, to yourself, is God has not given me a spirit of fear. 
So as I'm afraid to share the gospel, as I'm afraid to step into this new calling, as I'm afraid to put myself out there, as I'm afraid to do whatever it is that God's asking me to do, as I'm afraid, as fear begins to be a hindrance to me, I don't just wish it away, and I don't just wish I wasn't afraid. I identify it, and then I tell myself what Paul told Timothy is that's not from God. That's not from God. That's not from God. That's not from God. God has given me a spirit, but not a fear. So when I feel afraid, that's not from God. Unless I'm fearing him, you know, okay, that's, that's good. You should fear the Lord. You should fear being, doing stupid things, you know, that's okay, right? But if I'm feeling afraid to walk in the closet, that's not from God. That's not from God. That's not from God. When the devil whispers to me, you can't do it, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you don't have what it takes, it's not from God. It's not from God. And I just affirm that over and over again. And then I look at this, I say power, love, and self-control. These three things. So real quick, right, what do you need? So here's the idea. This is your life, right? This is God's calling on your life. You should leave here and just go do this, all right? Now, the reason why this is hard, because after a while you get tired. This isn't, this isn't always fun. Sometimes, right, like in Luray, you have to do this, you know? <laughs> and it just is a little bit, you know? It's not even like a great big fire. You're doing all this work, and there's just a little bit of results. And you're like, that ain't worth it, you know? Just quit the whole thing, this is stupid. And you're doing this, and you're so frustrated, and you're putting in the work, and you're seeing little spiritual fruit in your life. Or you're doing this all over again, and you have a fire, but there's nobody there to be blessed with. And you're doing this, and what do you do? You get tired, so what do you need? Power, you need power. And God says, man, I haven't given you a spirit. I gave you a spirit of power. So lean on me, depend in me, be strong in the Lord. And then he says, man, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but love. Love will keep this going, love for the people around you, a real Christ-like love that your life would affect other people, and the love that's unconditional from God, the love that says you could do this and burn it all up, and God loves you anyways. Right? The steadfast love of the Lord that's not dependent on my performance, the love that God gives me even when I mess up. The love that God extends to me when I don't fan the flame. The love that God gives me when I suck, you know, that kind of love. And you say, man, Lord, this is the love that I have. So regardless of my performance, some days I'm going to fan that baby, it's going to be great. Some weeks are going to be terrible. Sometimes I'm not going to care, you know. And God never loves you any less. His love is, the Bible words uses the word steadfast, which means it doesn't do this, it doesn't do this, it just shh, always, forever, unchanging. And so now, instead of me like, like, Lord, I'm trying to please you, or like, Lord, I hope you love me more because my fire is bigger. No, 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 no. I don't do that for that reason. I don't do it for God's love. I do it from God's love. God's love is the motivator. It's the thing inspiring me. It's the thing that I have even when I don't do a good job. And so he says, Timothy, even when you mess up, whatever it is, not only has he given you love for others that will inspire you to do this, but he's given you a steadfast love for you, regardless of how well you do this. I'm sure, Timothy, at one point, you're going to be afraid. You're not going to do what you're supposed to do. And I'm sure you're going to not care about these people. I'm sure, you're not, I'm sure it's going to happen. And I want you to know God loves you. And it's because of Jesus that God loves you, not because of anything you ever did. And so now I rest in that. And now, man, I can go do what God has called me to do because I'm not trying to please him. I am trying to please him, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not trying to like, get him to like me anymore or whatever. Like, God already loves me. And so now I have love. And the last one is self-control. What do you need to keep doing this? One of the main things you're going to need is self-control, right? Because it's hard to do this while you're looking at Instagram or something, you know, like that would be, you're tired all day, you know, you're the king. It's hard to do this when you're on a couch watching Netflix or whatever, which those aren't bad, okay? I have Instagram. I watch Netflix, okay? I'm not saying those are bad things. 
But when you begin to say, man, if my life is devoted to this purpose, then maybe I should wake up a little earlier. Maybe I should abstain from this or that. That thing's temptation over there. I, I, it requires self-control to stay focused. And you say, Lord, man, I need your help. I want to fan this into flame. And then you remind yourself, God has already given me a spirit of self-control. You know what self-control is? Like Galatians 5, it's a fruit of the spirit. Self-control is not a fruit of your personality. It's not a fruit of your training. It's not a fruit of your weight of life. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Self-control cannot be given by your background, cannot be given by your personality, not spiritual self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. And now God says, I've given you a spirit. And you know what? That spirit's not a fear. No, 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 no. But power, love, and self-control. So as you're fanning into flame the gift of God, and as you're coming together to do that, right, you do this, and then somebody comes along, he's like, keep going. You got it, you got it. Somebody comes along, they hold your arms, you know? And this is what we're doing to each other. When you show up at a lighthouse, when you show up at church, right? We've got to do it. When you show up at church, this is not to listen to somebody talk. Please, God, no. I'm not good enough for that. When you show up to church, you show up. Hopefully this helps you, but you're doing this with each other too. You're walking out in the lobby and you're saying, man, how's your life? Well, you're doing this. And together we're building a fire. We're doing something. But, right, my sermon today is like, you know, this much. This is the help. It's helpful, but it's not going not to do it. We got to do it together. Okay? A, a three-minute worship song that inspires you will be great, but it's not going to keep the fire going. It's not going to do it. So now we build this thing, and we leave from here, and then we do it together every day. And you're calling people like, man, how are you feeling? What can I do for you? How can I help you? How's this, go- how's this going for you, you know? And then we begin to be the fire that God has called us to be, and we burn for Jesus together. And we encourage one another as we do that. But this is what we give our lives to. This is what God has called us to give our lives to. And remember, God has called you to it. When God assigns, he equips You will never have an assignment without equipment. And so trust and lean in God. Turn to him, trust him. Let me pray for us together and let's respond to God in in worship. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're so gracious to call us. We thank you that you're so gracious to make us a part of your family. We thank you that you're so gracious to give us a gift and to use us. You're so gracious to be patient with us. We thank you for grace, mercy, and peace that we receive on the daily. God, I pray for anyone in this room who doesn't know you like that. God, that you would work in their heart. They would trust you today. They would receive the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would help us to fan into flame the gift of God. That you would give us the power and the love and self-control we need to go do what you've asked us to do. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.